Well, hello, greetings, friends and family, and a very Merry Christmas to you. It is the weekend, of course, of Sunday, December 24th, fourth Sunday of Advent, and also Christmas Eve. We continue looking at the Gospel of Mark, and today we will look at Mark chapter 3, verses 7 through 12. Oswald Chamber once said, If I'm going to know who Jesus is, I must obey him. The majority of us don't know Jesus because we have not the remotest intention of obeying him. Following Jesus is to be a learner of him, to listen and obey him, to follow him when it doesn't make sense, to follow him when the world says, follow yourself or someone else for that matter. And as we go through the Gospel of Mark, we are learning what it means to follow Jesus, and we are learning more and more of who it is that we're following. In the section of Mark, we find ourselves today, we we find Mark reminding us and summarizing some truths about Jesus that we need to pause and to think about. Mark reminds us of several things, but we're going to look at four things that involve following Jesus and who he is. Number one, the followers of Jesus are not all learners of Jesus. Mark says in verse 7, Jesus went out to the lake with his disciples, and a large crowd followed him. Now, let's notice two groups here, his disciples and a large crowd. Both groups (coughs) followed Jesus, but each followed Jesus for different reasons. The crowd followed Jesus for the show, the miracles, the blessings. Mark describes this crowd as large, and in verse 8 describes them as vast number. This this number is not in the hundreds, but in the thousands, and some believe possibly even in the tens of thousands. It's a large and vast number of people who were following Jesus. Within the crowd, you could find his disciples. At this point, his disciples consisted of an unknown number of followers. The word disciple, uh, methetes, means learner or student. And it refers to those who had moved beyond an initial interest in Jesus and desired to follow him as their teacher. At this point, to be a disciple does not mean to be a believer, born again, or saved. It simply means they are listening closely. They are learning. They're thinking about it, seriously considering what Jesus is saying. And before we leave this point, a word of caution regarding following Jesus is if we look carefully at John chapter 2 23 because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration many began to trust in him but Jesus didn't trust them because he knew human nature no one needed to tell him what my, mankind is really like they were trusting Jesus to do miracles but not to save they believed in Jesus as a miracle worker but not as the Messiah Though they believed in Jesus, Jesus did not believe in them. Jesus had no faith in their faith. He knew that it was not true saving faith. And by the time we get to John 6, uh, chapter 6, verse 66, we read, At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Is what happens to many. Jesus doesn't do the miracle we want, so we we quit following and, and learning from him. Jesus doesn't fix our problem the way we think he should, so we walk out. The sacrifice, the suffering, the inconvenience of following Jesus is just too much, so we turn away and we desert him. There's the caution. There is the warning. 
The question that we have to ask ourselves is, am I simply a part of the crowd watching from a distance, or am I a disciple who is genuinely wanting to learn and to follow Jesus? Second thing to look at, the miracles of Jesus point to the need for Jesus. Where did all this crowd and vast number of people come from? Well, Mark tells us in verse 7, they came from all over Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, Edomia, from the east of the Jordan River, and even from as far north as Tyre and Sidon. The news about his miracles had spread far and wide, and vast numbers of people came to see him. That's verses 7 through 8. So Jesus' popularity had no equal in the history of Israel. Even King Herod was intrigued by the news about him. That's recorded in Luke 23 and Matthew 14. Jesus performed miraculous displays unlike anything in history. The blind were given sight. The crippled walked. The deaf heard. The sick were made well. And lepers were cured. It was wonder upon wonder beyond what anyone could ever imagine. No one had seen anything like this before. With nothing more than a word or a touch, he brought immediate, complete healing and restoration to those who suffered from the most devastating defects, diseases, disabilities. In addition, demon-possessed souls are, were delivered instantly. And this all points and pointed to the needs of people. We are broken people, and we need a healer. We need someone to heal our hearts, our hurts, repair our brokenness. The tidal wave of sin from Adam and Eve has taken its toll on people everywhere. So Jesus came to address all our needs. And eventually when we get to heaven, we will experience a place where there is no sin, no sickness, no disease, no pain, no heartache, no misery. When Jesus is doing miracles, it shows that we, that we all have needs and Jesus is the one who can meet those needs. Number three, the message of Jesus is priority over the miracles of Jesus. Mark goes on to say in verse nine, Jesus instructed his disciples to have a boat ready so the crowd would not crush him. He had healed many people that day, so all the sick people eagerly pushed forward to touch him. On this particular day, Jesus had healed many people. These miracles had reversed the effects of disease and decay on the bodies of the people Jesus had performed immediate restoration to those who had physical, emotional sicknesses. For Jesus, the creator of the universe, as we read in John chapter 1, 3, there's no sickness or disability proved too difficult to heal. He, he instantly created new limbs and organs, restored eyes, ears, hands, feet, and bodies to full health and function. The people pushed forward around Jesus, hoping just to touch him. In order to be healed. As Mark 6, 56 reports regarding a later point in Jesus's ministry, wherever he went in villages, cities, or the countryside, they brought the sick out to the marketplaces. They, they begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe and all who touched him were healed. They had learned that Jesus's power was so available and effective that merely putting a hand on him as he walked by could produce instant and total healing. As a practical concern, Jesus instructed his disciples to have a boat ready for, for launch. While he was moved by compassion to heal the sick, cleanse those with leprosy, cast out demons, he came for a greater purpose, to proclaim the gospel, 
As soon as healing began to infringe on and compromise his preaching ministry, he made adjustments. And when the crush around him became too restrictive, he climbed aboard a boat, pushed out a short distance, and used the shoreline as a natural amphitheater. This way, people couldn't touch him and couldn't be healed. And this way, Jesus had stopped the healing and miracles so that he could teach about God's truth and kingdom. Some people came to hear Jesus because of miracles, but some people couldn't hear the message because of the miracles. They were so focused on Jesus doing miracles, they weren't hearing the eternal message regarding who he was and what he was truly all about. Jesus commented on this in John chapter 5, 36, I have a greater witness than John, my teachings and my miracles. The Father gave me these works to accomplish, and they proved that he sent me. The purposes of miracles is to prove who he is. Don't let the blessings of God blind us to the message of God. Fourthly, the Son of God has the authority of God. And then in verse 11, Mark says, And whenever those possessed by evil spirits caught sight of him, the spirits would throw them to the ground in front of him, shrieking, You are the Son of God. But Jesus sternly commanded the spirits not to reveal who he was. While the people struggled with who Jesus was and and were slowly coming to terms with the mounting evidence, like the miracles he did, his authoritative teaching, his power over demons, the evil spirits knew exactly who Jesus was. The, the evil spirits knew Jesus was the Son of God. And what does this mean to be the Son of God, and why is it important? Well, in the Scripture, Jesus is often called the Son of God, which means that he, he is God made visible in human form. In Jesus' time, the phrase Son of Man was used to signify a, a human being. The phrase Son of God was used to signify God. The evil spirits immediately recognize that Jesus was God in the flesh. And Mark says whenever those possessed by evil spirits caught sight of him, they would immediately recognize who he was. To the evil spirits, it was clear and without doubt that Jesus was the Son of God. They recognized Jesus's authority and God's authority. The healing, the sick, the casting out demons, all of it. They knew only one person could do that, and that was the Son of God. They also knew that he had authority to cast them into hell at any moment. For them, when they stumbled on Jesus and caught sight of him, sheer panic would would consume them, and they would shriek. And though whoever they were possessing the, to the ground, they would throw to the ground. They were overcome by fear in the presence of Jesus. They would blurt out, you are the Son of God. Then Mark says, but Jesus sternly commanded the evil spirits not to reveal who he was. Jesus wanted his followers to receive him as the Son of God, but not on the testimony of demons. Furthermore, he had a carefully programmed message that progressively revealed truth according to a schedule, so he wouldn't allow demons to continue calling him the Son of God. He shut them down time and time again. Jesus' authority over demons underscores his divine nature. Not only did they recognize him as the Son of God, but when they cast when he cast them out, they they fled under his authority. When he told them to be quiet, they obeyed. Though they were his most vicious enemies, they were constrained to submit to his commands. So who is this Jesus that we follow? This Jesus that we have been preparing for these weeks of Advent to to come as as a babe um, in a stable, as we, as we all, as we as well remind ourselves of his coming again. Who is this 
Jesus. He's the Son of God. He is God in the flesh who came to live among us. He demonstrates this fact by the power of what he says and by the authority of what he does. Let's follow him. Let's learn from him. Let's trust him. And let's all be a true disciple of Jesus. Amen. God bless and Merry Christmas.